0: Hi, welcome to the New Story Church Podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, as Scott said, he's been speaking about a different kind of church. A different kind of church. And so, as I think about a different kind of church, it only stands to reason that a different kind of church is going to be made up of a different kind of people. And so today we're gonna unpack what it means to be a different kind of people. But even as I say that, I need to be very transparent with you. And I need to be transparent and share something with you. I'd actually like to share a struggle that I have in my life. And it would not surprise me at all if you might have that same struggle also. See, the struggle that I have is that I want to belong. I want to fit in. I want to be accepted. I want people to like me. So whether it's at work amongst people at work, or whether it's amongst my friends, or whether it's amongst my family, or even amongst my family at New Story, I desire to fit in. Now why is that an issue? Because at times that can create a tension in my life. I desire to fit in and be accepted, and yet because of, there are times where what I believe means that I'm different. I want to be accepted by the group, but my faith at times, and my beliefs at times, and my actions at times, cause me to be different. And so that's a tension that many of us as Christians experience. How do we fit in, but yet how do we recognize our differences? So today we're going to do that by looking at Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 13. And so follow along with me as you uh, pull out your device or your Bible, starting at verse one. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even the hint of sexual immorality. Or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talking, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such, these things with come wrath come on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children in the light, for the fruit of the light Consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the, fullness, uh, uh, the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed to the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. So Ephesians 5, 1 through 13, quite an extensive passage, but it really is boiled down to the first two verses of Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. And that's where we're going to camp out today, in those first two verses. Because in essence, the first two verses summarize all 13. And let me read for you again just those first two verses. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. My message is a different kind of life. My question is how do we live a different kind of life? Well, Paul starts it in the very beginning of that verse. Did you catch it? Follow God's example. I find it so interesting that Paul doesn't say, follow your thoughts, Follow your desires, follow what you want to do, follow what you think is right, but Paul says, follow God's example. Not your emotions, not your preconceived ideas, not even your will, but follow God's example. Well, as we unpack these two verses, we're going to find three points that we're going to learn about from these two verses as to how we follow God's example. If you're online, I want you to put these points in the chat. If you're in the auditorium this morning, I'm going to ask that if you're over 40 years of age like me, maybe you'll take out a piece of paper and a pencil. And if you're younger, maybe you'll pull out your iPhone and go to the notes section and start taking some notes because I want you to press into these three points. First point, point number one, we need to remember that you are dearly loved by God. Each and every one of us, dearly loved by God, we are to follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and so the question is: What does it mean to be dearly loved? To be dearly loved is to be valued greatly. God wants what's best for you. He freely gives to you. God is passionate about who you are and who you are becoming. God's love is deep. It's un. Conditional. I first became aware of this when I went to college at Roberts Wesleyan College. It was 44 years ago. I went to college at Roberts Wesleyan, just outside of Rochester in North Chile. And the very first lesson that I learned had nothing to do with what a professor said. The very first lesson that I learned had nothing to do with the textbooks that I was reading. The first lesson that I learned as I met new people and developed new friendships, I learned that everyone did not grow up in a loving family as I did. That's very sad, but it's very true. See, I grew up in a family where my siblings loved me, my parents loved me, and accepted me. But what I learned is that is not the case for many people. Maybe when you grew up, you did not know acceptance. You did not know unconditional love. You did not know kindness. Maybe you experienced emotional abandonment, isolation, rejection, physical or mental abuse. Or maybe in your family, it was a little bit more subtle. Maybe you felt that you didn't quite measure up. You always had to try harder. When you went to school and you got your report card and you got a C, your parents wanted to know why didn't you get a B? Or when you studied as hard as you could and you got a B, your parents said, why why couldn't you get an A? You just felt like you couldn't measure up. Know today that that is not the way that your heavenly father loves you. Your heavenly father loves you And accepts you, no matter what you say, no matter what you do. No matter what you say or what you do, your heavenly father will not love you any less. Nor, no matter what you say or what you do, will your heavenly father love you any more. You cannot earn his love. His love is freely given. It is unconditional. It is kind. And it is good. Good. But Paul tells us and reminds us that we are not only dearly loved, but we are dearly loved children. Now let's reflect for a minute and let's ask a simple question. What are some of the characteristics of a child? Well, we know that a child is uh, not complete in knowledge as you compare a child to their parents. A child does not have the wisdom that the parents would have. A child needs to be protected from their parents, nurtured by their parents. And at times, is it not true that children act immaturely? That's what makes them children, and that's okay. But ah, we are dearly loved children of God. So therefore, in our relationship with God, we don't have complete knowledge as God does. We don't have complete wisdom as God does we don't ha- we need god to protect us and yes is it not true that there are times that we also as adults act like children self-centered self-focused and immature but that's okay god doesn't love you more or he doesn't love you less you are dearly loved children as i was preparing my message it was this point in my message where every time I would think about the message, a picture came to my mind, a remembrance came to my mind. And the remembrance was of an individual who attends New Story. He's not here this morning, but he attends New Story. His name is Daniel Moore. Now does anybody know Dan Moore? He often plays the keyboards, he often plays the keyboards, and and Dan has this, uh, he was not playing the keyboards today, that was Josh. But Dan has this lumberjack beard. That's the only way I can describe it. He has a beautiful, thick beard like a lumberjack. And every week over the last couple of weeks and even the last couple of months, my wife Daryl Ann and I would bump into Dan Moore in the hall. And as we'd start talking to Dan Moore, Dan was always very polite in his conversation. But Dan frequently had his son Wyatt in his arms. And when I talked to Dan... And carry on a conversation. Every once in a while, Dan would glance at Wyatt. And when he did that, there was a sparkle in Dan's eye. There was literally love oozing from his pores to his little son, Wyatt. He couldn't help but show it. You see, that's the mental picture that I want to leave with you of God's love for you. God loves you dearly. You are his child. You are cared for and protected in his arms. And God smiles when he sees you. And so, with that in mind, first point, you are dearly loved by God. Let's go to the second point now. You are to walk in the way of love. You are to walk in the way of love. Type that in the chat. Write that in your notes. Text it out to a friend. You are to walk in the way of love. Verse 2 tells us, walk in the way of love. But as we read that, we have to ask the question, what does Paul mean, walk in the way of love? See, why didn't Paul say, feel God's love? Why didn't Paul say, emotionally experience God's love? Well, why did he use the verb, walk, which connotates action? You see, it's fine to Think of God's love. Meditate on God's love. That's good. It's good to feel emotionally God's love. There's nothing the matter with that. That is all healthy and that is good. But what Paul wants us to understand from this verb walk is that when we go about our lives and we show our love to others, it must be through action. It is not simply a a mental assent. But it is an action which is carried out. Love is giving. Love is serving. Love is going. Love is embracing. Love is forgiving. All action. That's what we need to remember. and That's what Paul reminds us of. And when we continue on after verses 1 and 2 to verses 3 through 13, all of those following verses are words of action that are reflecting back to these first two verses that are saying walk in love. Let me try and help you understand this by giving you one other statement. This would would be a good one for you to write down. You'd want to reference this in the future. Our inward beliefs must always be the foundation of our outward actions. Our inward beliefs must always be the foundation of our outward actions. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is that we've experienced this love from God, forgiveness and love from God. It's changed our hearts. We're inwardly changed. And it's that change of our hearts which is the foundation for which the actions that I show my love. And what do we call it when a person's heart or beliefs is contrary contradicting, incongruent with one's actions. What you believe is different than what you, how you act. See, we call that hypocrisy or being a hypocrite. We've all seen that and we've all experienced that. When our out inward beliefs are incongruent with our outward actions. And my family at New Story, I just believe, I, I believe That one of the greatest impediments, one of the greatest barriers, one of the greatest harms which has occurred to the cause of Christ going forward in our nation, in our society, in our world, has been Christians who have acted hypocritically, who believe one thing and behave another. It's that hypocrisy which stifles and chokes the word of God from moving in the lives of those who don't know God. And so it's so important that we embrace the concept that what we believe needs to be played out in how we act. Our beliefs are the foundation of our actions, of our love, which is showed and displayed to others. Let me, let me, let me, let me share with you a personal story. Just thinking about Roberts that I referenced earlier, the college that I went to, Roberts Wesleyan. And when I went to Roberts Wesleyan College, I had a roommate named Rich. And uh, Rich and I became best friends. As a matter of fact, Rich was in my wedding as my best man. I was in Rich's wedding as his best man. See, when I grew up, I did not have brothers. I had two wonderful sisters who I love very much, but I never had a brother. Rich was like my brother. We were very tight. We were very close. And we had a group of friends. Most of them were science majors. And we hung out together because I was a biology major completing my pre-med studies at, at college. And I enjoyed hanging out with the guys. We'd study together all day long. We'd study late into the evening. And then around 10, 11 o'clock at night, we'd put our books aside and we'd have some fun as college guys would do. And we were tight, we were very close. And then something happened, transformed my life, changed my life completely. It happened on October 2nd, 1978. Some of you weren't even born at that time. October 2nd, 1978, event changed my life what was that event? Anyone want to take a guess? Say something. Hello? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's the very first date that I had with Daryl Ann. Very good, Rosemary. Is that Rosemary? (laughs) Changed my life. Changed my life. When I started dating Daryl Ann, unbelievable. I experienced love. I experienced unconditional love. I experienced kindness. I experienced grace. I experienced love. Men, I experienced forgiveness. Forgiveness. Literally, my heart was changed because of my relationship with Daryl Ann. So much so that when my heart was changed, The actions that came from my heart had to change. The love displayed had to change. My priorities had to change. My choices had to change. It couldn't be the same. I was different. Therefore, my actions had to be different. I didn't want to spend time with the guys anymore. I wanted to spend time with Daryl Ann. I didn't want to hang out with Rich. I wanted to hang out with Daryl Ann. It was only natural. I experienced her love, and therefore, it changed my priorities, my actions, and my choices and you see that's what Paul is referencing here he's referencing the fact that you are dearly loved by God he changes your heart and as you walk in love your choices your decisions and your expression of love must be in action and it will be changed you will not be immoral you will not be impure you will not be greedy You will not be disobedient, you will not be unwise or drunkard, as was all explained in the verses of 3 through 13 that I read. You see, our lives have been changed. We've aligned ourselves with our God, his love, his purpose, and his priorities. Therefore, our inward beliefs have been changed by God's deep love and our outward actions have to change. Well, let's move on. Point number one, you're dearly loved by God. Point number two, walk in the way of love. And now point number three, write it down. Your sacrificial love is a fragrant offering to God. Your sacrificial love is a fragrant offering to God. Paul tells us that in verse two, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Here's a little warning. Here's where my message gets difficult. Here's where you might feel a little tight. Question, quick question. At the start of my message, we said we were going to follow someone's example. Whose example are we going to follow? God's example. That's how the verse starts. Follow God's example. Ah, but how does the verse end? Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Whose example are we going to follow? Well, let's unpack this a little bit. We know that what Paul was speaking of Fragrant offering. He was probably referencing Exodus 30, verse 7, which says, Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. See, the high priest would go into the tabernacle, he would light the incense, and there was a beautiful aroma that ascended with the smoke of the burning incense upward. And that aroma, that fragrance, that burning incense and smoke was representing the prayers. Of those who believed in Yahweh or in God. Did you know? You may not have heard this before, but I'm sure you've experienced it. Did you know that the sense of smell is one of the strongest triggers to remembrance? The sense of smell is one of the strongest triggers to remembrance. Have you had that experience where you smelled something and your mind went to something else? It triggered a remembrance. The sense of smell is one of the strongest triggers for remembrance. Another story. I shared with you that I met Daryl Ann at Roberts Wesleyan College. I was going there as a pre-med student and I literally for four years lived in the Science Center at Roberts Wesleyan College. Lived in the Science Center. All morning long I was in classes, all afternoon I was in lab, all evening I was studying. I was living in the science center for four years straight. And as a matter of fact, when Daryl and I would go out on a date, we didn't go to the movies or to the mall or someplace else where you had to spend money because I didn't have any money. So our date was in the science center. Let me tell you about some of our dates. We had a date where I was completing a fruit fly experiment where I had to take fruit flies and look at them under the microscope to determine their characteristics and therefore their genetic composition and then I would mate fruit flies one with another to determine what the offspring would be produced. Or or how about the rat lab, Daryl, where I would prepare rats for experiments that the nurses would do the following day, and I'd put on these big leather gloves, and I'd go into the rat lab, and I'd catch the rat, and as I was holding the rat, I'd hold them open, and then Daryl was in nursing school at the time, and she would have a syringe, and she would inject the rat with uh, a specific uh, medication, and then we would observe the rats after these injections, and the nursing students would uh, carry on their experiments the next day. Now, if you're a single gal, either watching online or in the auditorium, and a guy came up to you and said, hey, you want to go on a date? How about mating fruit flies or giving rats injections? Not probably the most enjoyable date that you've ever been on. But Daryl Ann was patient, full of grace, and we loved one another. So that's how we dated. Well at the end of our date, the, the day would be drawing to a close and we would need to run over to the cafeteria in order to get dinner before it closed. And as we did so, we would pass through a hallway. And the first time I passed through this hallway, it was actually a stairwell, because we were up on the third floor, we had to go down to ground level and over to the um, dining hall. As you passed through the stairwell, the first time I was in it, I noticed there was this pungent odor, kind of pungent odor. Next day, Same pungent odor. Next day, same pungent odor. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year of attending Roberts Wesleyan College, I would pass through the stairwell every time i get hit with this pungent odor. Now, I can't tell you what caused the pungent odor. Was it the rats that we were experimenting on? Was it the chemicals that we were, experiments that we were doing that caused this pungent odor? I have no idea. All I can say is that there was a pungent odor in the stairwell. Fast forward. Daryl and I, Graduated, went to medical school, went to residency in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, came back to Buffalo, worked for Kenmore Mercy Hospital, opened up a practice. 35 years go by. And we say, we get a notice. Roberts Wesley in homecoming. Come to homecoming. We say, wow, it's been 35 years, let's go to homecoming. We go to the campus, everything's changed. Doesn't look anything the way it did while we were there. New buildings, new facilities. We look at the Science Center, holy cow. Totally changed, additions, labs, technology, all the rest of it going on. Let's go in and let's see what's going on. Walk into the Science Center, walk around looking at the new labs. All of a sudden, wham! We're in the stairwell. That pungent odor comes back to my olfactory senses. And immediately my mind is transported back to previous dates and times with Daryl and studying and exams and courses and labs and experiments and friends and relationships and experiences that I had had 35 years before. Amazing. Well, Dave, that's an interesting story, but what does it have to do with Paul? Well, this is my point. Let's, as we read those verses again, verses 1 and 2, Paul didn't just use the phrase fragrant offering to reference the burning of incense. Read it with me. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul's not just referencing the fact that it's a fragrant offering. He's referencing the fact that the fragrant offering triggers memory, triggers memory, remembrances. Let me read for you this verse according to the translation of Dave Martinki. Please, be patient with me as I read this translation to you. To me, this is what Paul is saying to us. New story, church? Realize that you are dearly loved, valued, and accepted by God. Choose to live a life where your love is defined by action, by giving, by forgiving, by accepting, by changing, by serving. Just as Christ loved you, new story, with action, as he gave up his home in heaven, came to earth, lived amongst people who would reject him and crucify him for the purpose of bringing them into a right relationship with God. For he is the fragrant offering. Let it trigger in your mind remembrance, new story, of all the things that Christ did for you, and therefore you become the fragrant offering and sacrifice for others. That's in essence what I believe Paul is saying. We must show our love by action, and we must do so as a, as a sacrifice and as an offering to God and for others. Now, as I bring this to a close, if you will, I'd like to ask you one last question. Please let me kindly, let me gently, but let me clearly challenge you with one last question. What sacrifice have you recently made for Christ and for others? What sacrifice have you recently made for Christ and for others? Oh, Dave, I don't like that question. Uh, Dave, Dave, I don't think that's a fair question. Dave, your question is too legalistic, too confining, too restricting, too critical, Dave. You're being too critical. You're stepping on my toes. Okay, let me back off. Let me just ask you the question this way. What sacrifice have you recently made for Christ and for others? You see, if we're to follow God's example as Paul admonishes us, and if we recognize that we are dearly, dearly loved by God and we are his children, And if we choose by being dearly loved by God, by walking in action and in love, then it only stands to reason that we will remember what Christ did for us and we will desire to do the same for others. Now, how that's unpacked will be different in each of our lives because we all have different relationships, we all have different experiences, and we all have different giftings. But I believe that the commonality will—we will be walking out love in action, and we'll be doing so as a sacrifice of ourselves, not a sacrifice like offering a lamb or a goat as they did thousand years ago. No, no, no. no—a sacrifice of the heart, where we yield our will, we yield our emotions, we yield our plans, we yield our purposes. We yield our choices to the God who dearly loves us, who accepts us with an unconditional love. And so my New Story family, to me, this is the essence, the essence, the core of what it means to be a different kind of church. For to be a different kind of church, we must be a different kind of people. And to be a different kind of people, it is critical important that we live a different kind of life, making different choices, giving up ourselves, our habits, our wants, our expectations, our demands, and yes, even our rights, which as Americans we so fiercely hold on to. We choose to give up our rights for the purposes of following Christ, being a different Kind of people living a different kind of life. And so, in a moment, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Lord to remind us to follow His example, to remember His example, and to ask how we too might commit ourselves to walk in His love with action and with change, and to be willing to be a sacrifice of giving up ourselves for others. And why will we do that? Because it is critically important for us, as a church at New Story, that our inward beliefs be congruent with our outward actions. Because we would never want to be said, as a church at New Story, that we are hypocritical or that we are incongruent. We will stand with our faith and our beliefs congruent with our actions, that the world might see, that the world might believe, that the world might receive Christ, who we have known and who loves us so dearly.